Today, the topic of my message is why are your prayers unanswered? Why are your prayers unanswered? Anybody ever have a prayer that didn't get answered and you, you wondered why? Well, I have, so I think we all have. It's my observation that just about everybody prays, especially when they're in trouble. Uh, just about everybody is going to pray. Even if people don't pray about things when everything's rosy and going well, when they're in trouble, they tend to pray, they tend to call out to God. There's an old saying that I think is at least partially true. It's not in the Bible. It says there are no atheists in foxholes. Uh, when your life is on the line, uh, you call out to God. And that's not wrong. Uh, and yet many people, they call out to God, they see their prayers unanswered. Why is that? And so let's begin today by asking another question. It's, does God want to answer our prayers? Well, let's see what the Bible has to say. First verse we're going to look at this morning is John 16, 24. Just as Jesus talking, he says, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. It sounds to me that Jesus wants us to receive answers to our prayers. It is almost as if he's giving us a blank check, isn't it? If we just read the first part, until now you've asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive. If we just take that part, ask and you'll receive, it's like whatever, we can ask for anything. Like, I want to win the lottery, you know, it's like ask and you'll receive, it's what it says. But there's a condition, and most of these promises, I would say in all the prayer promises in the Bible, there is a condition. What is the condition in this verse? Well, we are to ask in Jesus' name. What does that mean? A lot of times at the end of the prayer, we tack on, right? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's not just the words that mean the prayer was prayed in Jesus' name. It means the request was prayed in Jesus' name. And that means it's asking on his behalf. It's asking for him. It's asking for what he desires. And when our desires line up with what Jesus desires, then our prayers will be answered. And so if God wants to answer our prayers, let's think a little bit more about what other conditions our prayers must meet. Jesus said in Matthew 21, 22, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive. Well, that sounds pretty good, right? But there's a few more words in there. It says, if you have faith. And so there's another condition here in this verse. The condition is we need to have faith. What kind of faith? The faith that's required is when we ask, we need to believe that God is able and willing to answer our prayers. When we have that faith, then we're going to receive the answer. If the condition is not met, then if we don't have faith. If we doubt that God's going to answer the prayer, then it's not going to be answered. We need to think a little bit more about the timing of God's answers to our prayers. Does God always answer our prayers instantly? Do we always get next day prime delivery with our prayer answers? For those of you that use Amazon, uh, not always, not always. 
Oftentimes, God's timing in the answer to our prayers is a lot longer than we might desire. We always want things yesterday, don't we? Or today, or at the very latest, tomorrow. But oftentimes, God's timing is longer than ours. If we look in the scripture, it took decades for God to answer Abraham and Sarah's prayer for a son. A long time, probably much longer than they would have desired. And yet, prayer is vital to the life of a believer, both asking for things from God and listening to what God has to say to us. If we don't listen to God, how are we going to know how to pray? What to ask God for? If we don't listen to God, how are we going to understand what God's will is? 1 John 5, 14 and 15 makes it clear. It says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, towards God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. And so we must pray according to God's will and keeping with God's will in order for God to hear us. I mean, the implication here is if we're asking for something that's not according to his will, he doesn't even hear us. Of course, he knows everything, so he knows what we are praying, but he doesn't hear us in the sense that he's going to answer that request. And so we must pray according to God's will, not just simply according to what we desire in order for God to answer our prayers. But prayer really is the most powerful spiritual weapon in the world. I mean, just think about it for a minute. What is prayer? Prayer is connecting with the creator of the universe, the most powerful being that's, that exists. Prayer is connecting with him, with his unlimited power. And prayer produces a channel through which the power of God can flow to bring answers to our prayers. In fact, someone's once said, <clears throat> I'm not sure it's 100% true, but it's at least 99% true, that God does nothing except at the prayers of his people. And as we pray, God's will comes into our world and so today we're going to learn from Jesus himself some powerful lessons about how to get our prayers answered, how to pray for the things that God desires in our lives. The first principle, we're going to just look at two principles today. We're varying from our standard three-point sermon today, so uh, it's not going to be any shorter, but uh, <laughs> it's a two-point sermon today. The first point is we must, to get an answer to our prayers, we must never stop praying. Our passage today begins in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And he, that's Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So Jesus begins his first parable about prayer by telling us what we are to learn from it. The first thing he says we're going to learn from this parable is that we ought, ought to pray always. That means to pray all the time. It means to pray about everything. It means to pray continually. And secondly, we are not to lose heart. What does it mean to lose heart? If you're praying about something and you lose heart, you become discouraged. Like, this is not happening. 
I'm not sure it's going to happen. And ultimately, if you lose heart, what do you do? You stop praying for this thing. It's not working. I give up. I quit. He says we ought always to pray and not lose heart. And so Jesus illustrates these principles. And he's going to give us more insight into them by telling us the following story. Verse 2, he said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. So Jesus' story has two characters. The first character is this judge. This judge does not believe in God. He does not treat people with respect. He's a difficult man. He's a hard man to get a fair hearing with. The second character is a widow. And widows in those days were far worse off than widows today. Uh, She had no one to provide for her. They didn't have the different services that we have today. She must have been harmed in some way by someone that's termed here an adversary or an enemy. Most likely, someone had harmed her financially. They'd stolen money from her or they've done something else to defraud her of money or property or something. And she was looking for justice. She was looking for this judge to make things right. She kept coming to the judge over and over again, asking for justice to be done. Asking that the court would rule in her favor against this adversary. Verse 4, it says, For a while he, that is the judge, refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. So when this woman brought this plea to the judge for the first time, he said, no way, I'm not going to do it, go away. You know, this is, this is the judgment I make. You don't deserve this, this ruling in your favor. And yet she came back again. She repeated her case again to the judge. Same response. No, the ruling is against you. She came again and again and again. Finally, the judge said, hey, you know, this woman isn't going to quit. I don't have time for this. In fact, he felt she was beating him down. (laughs) This poor little widow. He couldn't take it anymore. And... He decided to grant the widow the justice that she was asking for. Why? Because she was continually asking. She didn't give up. She didn't lose heart. She continued to ask until the answer came. And Jesus says in verse 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Sometimes people get a little upset with this story, you know, comparing God to the unrighteous judge. How is God like this unrighteous judge? But this is an argument that Jesus often uses. It's sometimes called the lesser to the greater argument. You know, if this 
unrighteous judge would respond after this widow asked him over and over again, even though he was not a good man in any sense of the word, how much more will your heavenly Father who loves you respond when you continually pray to him? Believers here are spoken of as the elect. And what are they doing? It says they are crying to God day and night. Now that word crying to me signifies an intense prayer. It's not like, hey, you know, it'd be nice if you did this. And No, it's an intense prayer. It's a focused prayer for a certain outcome. And this prayer is not just given once. It's given day and night. That's a way to describe continually. Praying continually to God for this important request. And he says, will he delay long over them? We're going to see the answer to that Jesus question as he goes in the next verse. But the implication here is God will not delay that answer. The answer will come in God's timing. If. We do not give up. And of course, the implication in the story of the widow is what would have happened if she gave up after the fifth time she asked? She wouldn't have got justice. And that's the implication for us as well. If we give up on our prayers before the answer comes, the answer will not come. Verse 8. Jesus continues and says, I tell you, He, that is God, will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth. So Jesus answers that the Father will answer our prayers to bring justice to us. And of course, the whole concept of asking for justice is asking for something that's right, asking for something that's true, asking for something that that God wants to give to us. It is a, a prayer made according to God's will. God's answers will come at the right time. Not too early, not too late. At exactly the best time for God's glory and for us as well. And Jesus concludes this story with this profound question. He says, when... When Jesus returns, when I return to the earth for the second time, will I find faith on the earth? Now, when Jesus returns, he's going to bring ultimate justice to the earth. But will he find faith on the earth? What's he talking about here? Will he find people of faith? What kind of people pray persistently over and over again until the answer comes? Of people of faith. People without faith will stop praying. People without faith will not see answers to their prayers. And so he's saying that faith is absolutely important. In fact, somehow in that story, this widow, she had faith that if she continued presenting her plea to the judge, eventually the judge would rule in her favor. But when Jesus returns, he's saying, will I find faithful believers, faithful prayer warriors who are continually praying? 
for my kingdom to come, for my will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Will I find people praying for my return, looking forward to it? Faithful believers persist in prayer even when the answer does not immediately come. Even when it seems impossible to come. You think about this widow, once again, presenting this plea to the judge over and over. What would you think logically? You would think this is getting more and more unlikely, right? Every time he refuses that he's ever going to change his mind. I might as well give up. But she didn't give up. And God wants us to remember this story. When we are tempted to give up, to lose heart in something that we are praying for, that we know is the will of God, to not give up, to persist. Many are going to lose faith before Jesus returns. Many are going to stop praying, but not those who understand this story. Not those who believe that God answers every prayer that's prayed according to his will for those who pray in faith don't give up. We must never stop praying. What are the, some, some of the things that cause us to stop praying? I mean, some of these things are very mundane things. One of them is just getting busy, right? You pray for a while, the answer doesn't come, you get busy with a bunch of things. Everybody's busy, right? And what does it mean when we say we're busy? It means... Other things are more important to us than prayer, than praying for this thing. And that happens to all of us. We get distracted. What is the prime distraction today? It's our phones, right? And you can, you can go on your phone. It'll tell you how many hours you wasted yesterday on your phone. And it's always, you should check that out. It's always a, about 10 times more than you thought you were on the phone. You think, I was on about 10 minutes yesterday. Two hours? Where did that time go? Really? Distracted by phones, computers, other people's, our own thoughts when we try to pray. And sometimes we grow weary of asking God for the same thing day after day. God, is this ever going to come? I'm just getting weary of asking. I'm beginning to lose heart. Or simply, if you pray at night, what is, a, what is one of the things that prevents you from praying? Uh, falling asleep. Yeah, falling asleep. That's why I recommend praying early in the morning rather than late at night. We have an example of Jesus' disciples having that problem. Jesus went away in the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. His disciples were supposed to pray with him. And what did they do? They fell asleep. Couldn't you pray with me for one hour at this critical time? Oh, I'm so tired. The devil, of course, if you have problems falling asleep, you know the devil will put you to sleep. Just start praying and then he'll, he'll put you to sleep if you're not careful. So what is at the heart of all these distractions? Being busy and other things and phones. What is at the heart of it? it the heart of it really is lack of faith. You know, if we really believe that our prayers were going to get answered, if we really believe that our prayers would change history, if we really believe that our prayers could be influential in changing someone's eternity, if we really believe that our prayers would 
literally being, bring heaven to earth, that God's kingdom would come, we wouldn't be so easily distracted. So again, I encourage each one of us to spend time daily in God's presence. Reading his word to build our faith, spending time in prayer, letting the Holy Spirit guide your prayer life, write down important prayer goals, things that you want to keep before the Lord and continue to pray for them regularly. And as you pray, remember the story of this persistent widow. And God wants us to be like her, to be persistent until the answer comes. Never stop praying. Second point, second story of Jesus, is to pray with a humble attitude. Verse 9, he also told them this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So again, this very first verse tells us really what this parable is all about, its main purpose. This parable is told to wake people up, to wake us up, to make sure we don't have a prideful attitude when we're praying and looking down on everybody else. Verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So this parable, as the last one, has two main characters. The first was a religious Pharisee. I mean, he was somebody who would be well-known in the, in the town, well-known in the synagogue. We would expect him to be a man of prayer, a holy, righteous man. The other character was a tax collector. Now, tax collectors today probably are not... Uh, not the most exalted profession, although God calls people to collect taxes. Back then it was even worse because the tax collectors in that day, it was common practice for them to charge way more than the government tax really was and keep all the money for themselves. And these tax collectors uh, were basically hated by people. They were working for the Roman government, which was very oppressive. Plus, they ended up becoming very, very rich uh, by cheating people, by demanding more taxes than the people were supposed to give. Both went up to the temple to pray. Verse 11, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Well, what can we say about this Pharisee's prayer? It seems to me it's all about himself. Uh, he'd give, give thanks to God, but he thanked him that he was better than everyone else. He compared himself to various criminals and even to the tax collector he saw in the temple praying. And he thanked God that he was much better than all these people. He thanked God for the things he did for God. He fasted. Not a bad thing to do. He gave his tithes, which is not a bad thing to do. They're commended by God. But what are we to think of his prayer? It was really about himself. He was praising himself, really, rather than praising God. He was pridefully comparing himself to everyone else he could think of, thinking he was better than them, treating them with contempt. In fact, he thought that he was so good, he was so righteous, he had... Nothing to repent of. He was perfect 
in his own eyes. In fact, it appears that this Pharisee thought so much of himself, he had no need to ask God for anything. We know from other scriptures that the Pharisees would often pray aloud so that other people could hear them and be impressed by what a righteous, good prayer he prayed. What about the tax collector? How did he pray? Verse 13, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me. A sinner. So this tax collector, first of all, was standing far off, indicating that he probably was moved away from all the other people. He wanted to be alone with God. He was not praying for people's applause or praise. He was not interested in what other people thought. He was focused on God alone. The tax collector's prayer was much shorter, but it did include a petition. He was asking God for something. He was asking for God's mercy. He didn't consider himself righteous. He knew he had a great need. He saw himself as a sinner. A sinner that needed to be forgiven. And so in contrast to the pride of the Pharisee, we see a humility, a humble spirit in this tax collector. Verse 14, Jesus says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So Jesus says this tax collector went home with his prayer answered. He was justified. He was forgiven. That's what he was asking God for. The Pharisee left the temple considering himself still righteous, but actually was not forgiven. Why? Well, you cannot be forgiven if you're not aware of your sin, if you don't repent of your sin. So the Pharisee's sins, which he was not even aware of, were not forgiven. And Jesus gives us the final principle here that those who exalt themselves, those who are prideful like this Pharisee, will be humbled by God. And those who humble themselves like this tax collector asking for God's forgiveness, acknowledging he was a sinner, will receive God's forgiveness and be exalted, lifted up into the presence of God as his child. And so we must pray with a humble attitude. And so we learn from this story that pride can keep us from having our prayers answered. Actually, I believe pride is a common reason why people don't pray. You know, sometimes when I ask someone, can I pray for you? They reply, no, I I don't really need anything. I don't say this aloud, but I think, wow, you know, what a prideful person. They don't need anything from God. They don't need any prayer. I mean, if anybody asked to pray for us, we should be able to like, yeah, you know, I don't care how on top of the world you are. We all have needs. We all have things that we need prayer for. Oftentimes people are totally oblivious of their need. I mean, if they're not sick, I don't need anything. It's like, really? 
Everybody, when they're sick, they ask for prayer. And that's good, because God heals the sick. There's a million other things that we need in our lives that we need prayer for. We need God's answers each and every day. And so we need to humble ourselves. We need to admit to God when we pray in private that we need things. I mean, if you go through a prayer, um, we need to ask God for the things that we need. The book of James tells us we don't have because we don't ask. If we don't ask, we're not going to receive. We need to humble ourselves and admit that without God's help, we can do nothing worthwhile in our lives. And so a humble attitude, we look at ourselves as being a person in great need. And we need God's help each day and throughout the day. And that's why we pray continually. We, need God. we can't handle life on our own. We need God's power. We need God's wisdom in every aspect of our lives. With our family, with our jobs, and everything we do, we need God. And so let's ask God to help us to humble ourselves so that we can receive God's answers and be exalted with him as we pray with a humble attitude. And so today Jesus taught us two common reasons why prayers are unanswered. We looked at a few others at the beginning of the message. The first is we stop praying before the answer comes. It's a very common reason that prayers are unanswered. We stop praying. God wants us to learn to be persistent, not giving up until the answer comes. Of course, we need to be praying according to God's will. I don't have time to address this in great detail, but I see God's answers to our prayers. In one sense, God always answers prayer. There's three answers that he gives. Uh, the first answer is yes. And the prayer is very quickly answered. The second answer, which we call a non-answer, is no. <laughs> we ask for something and God says no. He doesn't answer the prayer. Now, why would he do that? Because it's not his will. It's not his will for us. He doesn't answer the prayer. And the third answer, he gives us his wait. Keep on praying. At the right time, if you don't give up, I'm going to bring you the answer. And oftentimes, we need to wait for the answer to our prayers. I mean, just think what it would do to our pride if every time we prayed within 30 minutes, the answer came. Uh, none of us could handle that, I don't think. So there's a million reasons why we need to wait, but God knows the best timing for the answer to our prayers. The second reason that our prayers are not answered that Jesus talked about today is having a prideful attitude. Prayer can in infect our prayers. It can keep us from praying in the first place, because we don't think we need it. But when we pray with a humble attitude, God gives us his grace. God loves to lift us up, to exalt us, to give us the answers to our prayers as we depend on him. As we read earlier, God wants to answer our prayers. And as he answers our prayers, he'll fill us with joy. He wants us to be filled with joy. So let's seek to become prayer warriors for him in 2023 and see more prayers answered than ever before in our lives, in our church. The most important prayer that any person can pray is a prayer of 
submitting themselves to Jesus Christ, becoming a follower of Jesus. And this most important prayer is, first of all, to repent of any sin in our lives. The Bible says everybody has sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Each and every person. So we all have something to repent of. Repent of our sin. We believe that Jesus died on the cross that our sins might be forgiven. We ask for his forgiveness. And we submit our lives to following him and his plan for us all of our days. So I'd like to ask each one of us to bow our heads right now. And we're going to pray. If you're not sure that you're a believer today, if you're not sure that you're going to heaven when you die, if you don't hear God speaking to you, then I encourage you to pray this prayer. If you made a decision in the past, but you feel like you've drifted away, I'd encourage you to pray this prayer again with me to recommit your lives to him. Right now, with every eye closed, if you'd like to pray this prayer with me or those online, I'd like to encourage you just to lift your hand up and I will pray with you. All right, I see those hands. We're going to pray. Father, today I repent of my sin. I repent of doing things my way, not your way of following my plans rather than your plans. I repent of my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. I don't totally understand it, but he paid the penalty for my sin that I might be forgiven. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I believe you rose from the dead. You're alive today. And I submit my life to following you as my Lord and Savior, all the days of my life. And let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for these teachings of Jesus on prayer. We pray, God, that you would help us to be persistent in our prayers for the things that you lay upon our hearts. Forgive us for the times when we've simply given up and thought, this is, this is too hard, this is not going to happen. Forgive us for those times. God, help us to be persistent in the prayers that you put in our hearts, the things that you desire for us and for the people that you have given us to pray for. We pray that we would persist in prayer for the lost people in our families, for the lost people that we know around us, and we would pray until they come into your family. We know it's your will for people to be saved. We pray that we would cooperate with you and not give up on those that you've placed on our hearts. God, we pray that we would see our need of you continually, that we would have a humble attitude that doesn't think we've all got it together and we don't need you, that we can figure things out and we can plan our lives on our own. Help us to have a humble attitude that needs you each and every day, that needs you all through the day so that we truly will pray continually, that we will pray at all times and not lose heart. We ask all of this in Jesus' name.
We're going to pray one last prayer for those that need healing in some area of your life. If you need healing of your body, I'd encourage you to lay your hand on that part of your body right now before we pray. If you need healing in your emotions, if you are struggling with worry or anxiety or depression, I just ask you to lay your hand on your head. If there's someone close to you that needs the touch of God in some aspect of their lives, I encourage you to pray along with me as we pray. Father, today we thank you that you're a healing God. You have all the power in the universe and you are able to answer our prayers to bring healing into people's lives. We pray for those who are sick that we know of. God, we pray you bring your healing touch. We pray for those who are struggling with back pain and in Jesus' name we pray for healing and the relief of pain. God, for any who are struggling with migraine headaches, God, we pray that you would bring healing. They would not reoccur. Lord, we pray against cancer and we pray for complete healing and remission of any that we know of who have, who are struggling with cancer in Jesus' name. We pray for those who are struggling with Worry and anxiety and fear. We pray that your love for them would drive out all fear. We pray that you would deliver them from depression. And lift their spirits to put their hope in you. And finally, we pray for those who are struggling financially, God, in this crazy economy that we're in, God. We pray that you would meet every need they have as they seek your kingdom first. Help them to put you first in their lives and believe you to meet every need. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.